Today on Tactical Faith Radio, I speak with Dr. Jonathan Morrow, who's the Director of Cultural Engagement at Impact 360 in Georgia. Today we talk about things like who's Generation Z? Why is it important for us to think about that early generation and how we as older generations can pour our life into that generation to help them make an impact for culture? This, 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 Let's be honest, talking about our faith, it can get hard sometimes. Sometimes we get caught up in the world, but now the world will have to get caught up in us. We're here to talk about it. We're here to talk about our real faith. We're here to talk about the real God. For unapologetic apologetics everywhere, welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. Welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. This is Matt Burford. I have a my pleasure, and I always say it's my pleasure because I'm not going to have very many people on my podcast that I don't like. Uh, that's just not how I roll. Uh, this particular uh, gentleman is somebody that I met a couple of years ago. Um, he is um, the well, man. I, I looked on Facebook, and there's so many things that you are, but in in context to what we're doing our podcast, you're the director of cultural engagement and immersion at Impact 360. Uh, you're the the founder of Jonathan Morrow Media. You have countless books. You led a study with Barno to look at Generation Z. Uh, Jonathan Morrow. Actually, you also got your doctorate at Biola uh, under some pretty heavyweights that are there. Hey, thanks, Jonathan, for coming on board. Hey, Matt. It's always good to talk to you, and I'm really glad to hear that you actually like uh, having me on the guest. So that's that's always an encouraging way to start. Well, we're going to call you Jonathan, but you are Dr. Morrow, and you you actually told me before uh, we started recording that I could I could call you whatever I wanted, but you did earn that doctorate, and you actually got it underneath um, studying underneath uh, Dr. Moreland, right? Yeah, J.P. Moreland, Gary DeWeese, and all the great, great team there and faculty out at Talbot School of Theology at Biola University, which oh. was, was a great experience. Oh, that's a pretty big heavyweight thing. Let, let me get right into it. Um, tell me a little bit about Impact 360 uh, for those who are going to be listening, especially here in the state of Alabama. What is Impact 360? What is the Impact 360 Institute, and what is it? what is its main goal? Yeah, that's a great question. So Impact 360 Institute, we exist to cultivate leaders who follow Jesus. And what does that mean? It means we get to work with students in the high school age or that 14 to 20, 22 range. And so we have summer worldview apologetics and leadership experiences for high school students. I'm the director of all those summer experiences. So we have Propel, which is a one week. Uh, We have Immersion, which is a two week and there are different kind of experiences that help students own their faith and follow Jesus in different ways. Really exciting stuff. And then we also have a nine-month um, gap year called our Impact 360 Fellows, in which students from around the country and literally around the world will come here and spend nine months with us and learn really what they believe, why they believe it, who God's called them to be, how to prepare for that next season of influence and launching into the rest of their college years. And so... That's kind of what we do at Impact 360. We talk about culture. We try to equip Christians in lots of different ways. But we really dial in on the next generation. People can find out more about us at impact360.org. And the great news is we're just next door uh, to you there in Alabama. And uh, we're about an hour southwest of the Atlanta airport uh, near Columbus. If uh, your listeners are want to find us, we have a wonderful, beautiful 60-acre campus here where all of our students get to be for those whether that's summer experiences or a nine-month gap year. So it's a blast. 
I get to work with a lot of students and help them own their faith, which is what makes me happiest. And that's who God's called me to be. In fact, my mom and dad at this very moment are at Callaway Gardens. That's their favorite place on the planet to go. They did their honeymoon there uh, 40 something years ago. It's a beautiful setting. It's the rolling hills of that part of Georgia. It's just awesome. Hey, every generation, it doesn't matter, always looks like the generation before them and says, what's wrong with them? Right. I, I'm, I'm assuming this is this has happened since we've we've left Eden. Uh, tell yes. me, um, tell me about Generation Z. Tell me about your the Barna emphasis. I actually, you invited me and my wife to come out there, and we spent a uh, a day or two days out that way. It was it was a fantastic kind of intro. And for somebody like me who taught that age group for a couple of years in Christian education, uh, it really helped me try to see it from their perspective. Tell me a little bit about the generations he studied with Barnett. And also tell me, give me at least two positive things about the new generation and two things that we think we need to work on. Okay, great. All right. So lots of good stuff in there. So obviously we work with students and there's always a next generation coming. And so, here at Impact 360, we wanted to do a national study. We knew what the questions and doubts and insecurities that we see on a regular basis are, but we wanted to work with the Barna Group, and so we commissioned a nationwide study. It was a groundbreaking study. We interviewed um, tons of students and teenagers and multiple generations. We interviewed parents. We interviewed did focus groups, um, atheists, unbelievers, Christians, uh, parents, youth pastors. We really wanted to get a great cross-section and what are the assumptions and values shaping this generation? And so um, who is Gen Z? Well, in essence, they're born between 1999 and 2015. So the oldest of Gen Z is right around that freshman in college range or heading off into college right in that window. There's going to be about 69 to 70 million of them when it's all said and done. And in terms of kind of some positives and negatives, a couple of positives is I love working with these students today. I mean, I we are not negative about the next generation. I mean, they're funny, they're smart, they're creative, they're activist-minded. Um, they're also going to be the most racially and ethnically diverse generation in American history. That's a real significant opportunity there. Um, and so there are a lot of positives around Gen Z. They're innovative. Uh, in some ways, they're more pragmatic than millennials. And their millennial counterparts, millennials are more idealistic. Um, Gen Z will be more pragmatic. On, on, the, on the flip side of that, you know, one of the questions that um, David Kinneman, the president of the Barna Group, and myself were talking about one day as we began to kind of frame this study and how to develop the, even the questions that would go in it and, and examine the data, he said, is it possible that many churches are preparing young Christians to face a world that no longer exists? And I thought that was such a great way to put that because there's a world that is and there's a world that we wish it was, and they're not the same world. And as parents and as teachers and as people in the church, are we preparing students for the real world? And so when we looked at this study, some of the things we got weren't as encouraging. For example, uh, one of the reasons we wanted to work with the Barna Group is they've been tracking this idea of a biblical worldview in every generation. And when you look at that, it continues to decline in each generation. Boomers were about 10% had a biblical worldview. Gen X, about 7%. Millennials about 6% and then Gen Z 4%. And so I think what that does for us is it removes any illusion that we don't inhabit a post-Christian culture. And so in many ways, that's a great opportunity, but it also presents many challenges because students today don't speak Bible. They don't know their Bibles. They don't even have many categories for church or Christianity as much. And so they're not so much reacting against something as, hey, what is this thing you're talking about called Christianity? And so that's part of what it means to be in this generation. 
Um, another piece of that would be that atheism is on the rise in this next generation. Um, teens 13 to 18 years old are twice as likely as adults to say they're atheist. And the reason why that's significant is gone are a lot of the social kind of pressures. Hey, well, I guess if I'm going to identify as something, I'll identify as a Christian. They're not really doing that anymore. Um, they're either identifying as religiously like a nun or agnostic or an atheist in, in that regard. And so those are things that aren't as exciting and helpful about the next generation in terms of what they're facing. And we could also talk about others about technology and sexuality and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's, it's definitely an opportunity for us to equip them. But we love Gen Z. We love working with them. So, um, yeah, those are just a couple highlights since that's all you asked me for. Well, they're so much fun, like at least the small group that I got. In fact, one of my students that I taught actually went to Impact last year, and he loved it. Um, but I think they're a fun group. And, in fact, I see a lot of hope, um, my, at least. So I'm a parent of Gen, two Gen Zs. I've taught Gen Z. I keep telling everybody, listen, this they have a lot of potential uh, I'm, I'm willing to pour my life into that, that group. I have uh, one student that I taught last year that's at West Point. I have students that are at Auburn, uh, some students in Alabama and Troy, and they're all making impact in their own way. Uh, let me ask you, let me at least pick your brain on an issue um, in regards to how do we, how do, how are you teaching them to reach other people, uh, especially in the area of evangelism? Uh, do you do any training on how to do uh, evangelistic efforts uh, from their age group? Uh, yes, that's a, that's a great question. One of the things that we do, especially also in Propel, as well as our other experiences, is we teach them how to share the gospel and have a gospel conversation. Most students, it's interesting don't know how to actually have a gospel conversation with somebody. You know, how, how would you, how would you begin to have a relationship with Jesus? And there's some different reasons for that. And I'll talk a little bit about what we do. Um, but you know, in the Gen Z study, one of the things that we found is that 58% of teens agree with the statement that many religions can lead to eternal life. And there is no one true religion. So operating in the background right now in our culture is the assumption that something is just true for you and not for me, or you do you or follow your heart or how you feel determines what's real or be a basically good person. And if all of those things are true, in fact, Barna, the Barna group just released a different study on millennials and evangelism and, and almost 50% of millennials in that study said that it was actually wrong to try to change somebody else's mind in evangelism. So the trend is not encouraging in the sense of motivators because if you don't think something's actually true and real, then you're not going to risk having an awkward conversation with someone, whether it's a friend or a peer or a parent or a family member or anyone else, if it doesn't ultimately matter at the end of the day. So the way that we get at it is we want to really connect the idea of is Christianity true? Is it real? Not just true for you, but true for everyone. And why would we know that? And we see that translating into confidence and boldness for them to have those gospel conversations. And so the things that we do is we do a lot of role playing. We teach them to ask good questions. You know, obviously your audience will be familiar with tactics by Greg Kokel, you know, using those questions and spiritual conversations, as well as learning to role, role play and practice having a conversation with someone, which in this generation, which is so saturated with technology, it's a lot easier to text somebody than it is to have a face-to-face conversation a lot of times. And so sometimes it just takes time to get comfortable doing that 
uh, for teenagers today. And that's, again, not a knock on them. That's just the world that they've inherited. And so having those conversations from the conviction that this is actually true and real and then clarity about what to say when you get in the conversation can be really powerful. Yeah. Uh, so we're trying to do that with tactical faith in our churches, trying to embolden them. And of course, I have a, uh, a position with the Alabama Baptist State Board of Missions, especially in the evangelism department. I think everything that you just said is not only applicable to the young, but it's applicable to our generation and even the older generation. Um, I'm seeing, I'm trying to embolden Christians, especially when I go around preaching and teaching, to let them understand we have when I say we have the truth, we have the real truth, and it's solid and it's based on evidence. Uh, it when I taught um, in the at Evangel, the school that I was at, we used light bears, the summit curriculum. Did you ever have you ever seen that curriculum? The light summit uh, summit ministries. Yeah, they, yeah. I think I yeah. I think I said that was an older version, one that was like it was yeah. it was kind of a younger. It would yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm well, for all that. Well, they, you know, you talked about worldview. They all said, you know, one of the things I taught my students is there's four basic elements to all worldview. You know, Robbie talks about it. It's um, origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Of course, there's a fifth one about where do you get your authority. When you, right. when you allow and give Christians kind of a simple, basic approach to evangelism, and at least in, you get them emboldened on the truths of our faith, it, it, evangelism will naturally occur. I mean, you're going to talk about the things that you love, right? I mean, I'm, I'm here in Alabama. You're not going to go very far before somebody starts talking about sports, especially about football. It, it's, a, it's a natural thing that we, we want to talk to other people about. The problem about football is it doesn't have, I mean, it has economic significance in our state, but it doesn't really have powerful lifestyle significance here. When we're talking about the Christian faith and we're talking about something that's substantive, and something that has real impact and has lasting impact. And we're not just talking about uh, a personal faith here. We're talking about something, a worldview that answers fundamental questions that all reasonable, pe- reasonable people ask. Um, what I like about Gen Z is that they seem to be open to that and they seem to be carrying with them a millennial idea of the importance of community, uh, the importance of what it means to be uh, to be at least going after the ideals of virtue and having a good character and those things. So if anybody's listening, I, I, I think you, if you have a Gen Z, you really need to look at Impact 360 as something that to send your children to. And we love, we've brought Jonathan over uh, before to talk uh, at, at church, and he does stuff here in the state of Alabama. Please go right now to um, to their website and see all the things that they're doing. Hey, let me ask you a question specifically about apologetics, and then we'll wrap this whole thing up. Um, what changes have you seen in apologetics over the last, let's just say, fifteen years? You're my age. Um, have you? Do you think there's been a lot of change in the apologetic? kind of practice uh do where do you see it going where do you see it? where is it presently and yeah that's great go ahead. go ahead no i'm just talking specifically about the movement itself yeah no that, that's a great question i think what you're seeing is and what's encouraging about it is you're seeing an expansion of a lot more people becoming aware of the ideas of apologetics over the last 15 years or so up until then you kind of had some some real significant people in that movement who, you know, you're William Lane Craig's, you're Robbie Zacharias, you know, Norman Geisler, Josh McDowell. You had some of these kind of awesome, you know, apologists. But then what you began to see was some of the 
intellectual ideas and stuff filter down from what was happening in philosophy and all the great work that was going on there start filtering down into a lot more translators. And so one of the trends that I've seen over the last 15 years, which has been encouraging, is one, you see more people caring about it. Now, honestly, not as, not as, not as many as should, <laughs> because I think apologetics is such a great part of discipleship. It's not the only thing we do in discipleship by any means, but it shouldn't be seen as something that's over there for those kind of people who do that sort of thing. It should be part of loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, always being ready to give an answer. You know all this. And so that trend I'm also seeing, uh, which is encouraging, parents beginning to see this more and more as an important way to engage their kids with um, ideas of truth and the importance of it. Now that's still got to grow, but I've seen growth in that. So it's, it's getting connected to not just, you know, my, you know, engaging online or people at work, but no, my kids need to know this stuff because they have questions. They're engaging stuff on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and everywhere else and, and Snapchat and Twitter and every, all these different conversations that are happening, the shows on Netflix or Hulu or whatever it might be. We need to talk about this stuff. And so I've seen a growth in that and a lot more people doing it, which is encouraging. Um, and so those are some of the things that I've seen in terms of practice. What I've seen in terms of the questions is some people some, sometimes go, well, look, students won't think about these things or they don't care about truth anymore. That has not been my experience. But also, they're also asking the question, and our culture is also asking the question, not only is Christianity true, if we can get that one on the table, but is it good? Um, is it morally good? Is this something that's compelling or persuasive or that's, um, you know, draws me into it? And I think that's an opportunity where we have to grow in our apologetics is really engaging the imagination as well as reason. And I've seen growth in the reason and some inklings of some approaches beginning to change in imagination. But that's an opportunity for us as we kind of move forward. And that's what you're doing. And that's what I'm trying to do. And thank you so much for coming on. Uh, tell people again where to reach uh, not only you personally and what you're doing, but what impact is doing. Yeah, great. So my website is just jonathanmorrow.org, jonathanmorrow.org. And then I work for Impact 360. You can find out about all of our experiences and how it can be an ally for you and your teenagers and high school and college students at impact360.org. And lastly, if you have questions around Gen Z, we have a free resource for you called genzlab.com, genzlab.com. And you can find out more about our study and with the Barna Group and, and some ways to begin to apply that material. So there's just ways to find me online. Well, Dr. Morrow, thank you so much for coming on. And we, were, we plan to have you on uh, in a few months. That sounds great. Thanks for having me on. It's great to talk as always.